Turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. I want to look at David and how he encourages himself in the Lord. And uh, then we want to look in the New Testament at the Holy Spirit who is working in us to be our helper and our comforter uh, who also helps us as we encourage ourselves through this journey of life. We're all on a journey of life. And God is walking with us. God never abandons us. As we sang in the song, you know, we need to look no further. There is a God who walks with us day by day and moment by moment. He's a 24-7 God. God doesn't check into your life at 10 o'clock and says, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm punching the clock out at 3. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. We'd be in serious trouble if we had a God that, that was like that, that worked on a 9-to-5 schedule and then we were on our own after 5 o'clock. You know, we do that with our employers. We go to work at a certain time, and, and we're there for a certain time. And when we're there, we should give our best and and, uh, and do what we need. But thank God that he's a 24-7 God, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And, and I can't comprehend how someone cannot rejoice in that fact. And I'm not saying anyone here. We're all rejoicing in that. But when you talk to people, how they don't want God in their lives, and a God who's there 24-7 to be a help and a guide to their lives, uh, to, to, to move them along on a, on a good journey through this life. But we who know Jesus know that he's with us 24-7. And see, David, is a, as a young man, he had other brothers, and they were all part of Israel, and they were all believers in God. But David, see, David had a, a relationship and a place with the Lord where he knew that God would never leave him nor forsake him, that God was constantly there and that he was a mighty God, that he was able. Now, did David's brothers believe in, in the God of Israel? Yes, they did. Was there, did they have a relationship with the Lord? I would assume that they did. I don't know. I'm not God. I wasn't there. But from the word, it seemed that they kind of believed in the Lord. And we as believers believe in the Lord, but every one of us has a different depth of relationship with the Lord. And our goal and our purpose is to encourage one another to move along into a deeper relationship with the Lord. That's why we're gathered together. We want to help each other to know the Lord more today than we did yesterday, to trust him more today than we did yesterday. You could have been walking with the Lord for 30 years, 50 years. I don't care how long. We still can go deeper in our walking relationship. Is that correct, Mom? You've been with the Lord a long time. My wife has been with the Lord a long time. But they'll confess, there's never a place where we say, well, I can't go beyond this in my relationship or trust of the Lord. No. Day by day, we need to walk with the Lord. And so we want to encourage each other to go to that depth of relationship with the Lord. David was a man, uh, a young man. And David's life is very interesting, and we're not going to preach on his whole life this morning. But he was a he was an interesting a vessel that God used and worked through. And uh, David, you know, as uh, Saul was king, and David, you know, remember David of uh, what well, you know he he was a he was a musician and he played the harp and whatever, and because uh, he was even there with a the, with a sheep and and whatever, and he would play. But David, as you remember. With Saul, when Saul became king, and David went to war, and he came back, and they were praising David, uh, and they were singing a song, oh, David, you know, uh, uh, Saul uh, uh, slain his, what, thousands, and David his tens of thousands, and Saul, 
who knew the Lord had jealousies and bitterness and and he rose up and he determined in his heart to kill David. He wanted to David to you know to be eradicated and erased from the praises that the people were giving him because God's hand was on David. And so David began to be in a place where Saul was always trying to to slay him, to find ways to do him in. But David found a friend in Jonathan. And you know it's a good thing when you find a friend, a true friend. A lot of people could come alongside of you and say, uh, hey, uh, how you doing? Now let me be your friend. But they're there for a time and a season. And I'm telling you, if you would have hurt, if you were to inherit money today, if you went home and you got a phone call or you found in your mailbox a thing that said, hey, you won the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstake. And you know, or the, or the, that crew was there and say, hey, you know, you'll say, wow. But you know what? The doorbell will ring. And, and you'll find long lost relatives and cousins and, and high school uh, buddies and pals and, and you remember me, you'll, you'll hear a lot of remember me, you know, who are you? You know, I went to school with you, I live next door to you, you know, I, and you'll get all kinds of people that want to be your friends, but are they? What are they looking for? What is, what, what is it they really want out of your life? But when you get a, a true friend who's going to stand with you through the good times and the bad times, you know, I've been there when I've been in the good times and you have a lot of people running around and wanting to be your buddy and they smooth your back and, and you know, the nice talk and everything. But when things start to get a little rough, it's like, see you later. You know, and they, they kind of like creep their way out and uh, and you lose a lot. But are you losing friends? No. You're losing what you need to lose. But the ones that stick by you when things are rough and things are tough, and every one of you have gone through times in your life when you know you were you were really in a hard place and struggling. But someone, God always brings someone alongside of you in your in your hardest times of life. God will always bring someone, a true someone, to come along with you to help you through that time. We've seen it in our lives, right, honey? God has added good and true people to come alongside and to help in times of need. And God does that with every one of you. When you go through a time in life, God will bring someone. Here, David was going through a real tough time, and Jonathan, God brought Jonathan, and they had, Jonathan was an encouragement to David. And David, when he was running from Saul, he wound up with the Philistines, and they were, they put him, because he was known as a mighty warrior, and you know, every one of you are mighty warriors in the Lord. You know that? You're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And David was a mighty warrior. And the Philistines recognized that. And they said, David, you know, we're going to war against Israel. And they made David a leader. He was a, he was like in charge of a whole crew, a group of a, whatever you want to call it. He had a lot of men behind him. And I can't comprehend how, you know, they could want to go to war against Israel, but David was in that position anyway. We should never want to go to war against other believers. It's not our place to rise up with unbelievers and talk bad about believers. We should never put ourselves in the place of rising up to fight against a believer. And here, David was in a place where he was with the Philistines, and they were going to go to war against the Israelites, but God stopped David from fighting and killing his own people because he put it in the heart of the Philistine leader to say, wait a minute, 
David is a mighty warrior. Now, if we go to battle with the Israelites, who are his people, what if David should say in the midst of the battle, let's fight and turn against the Philistines, and he said, then they will slay us. So they said, David, we want you to, uh, we know you're a, a mighty warrior, but we want you to go back home to Ziglag. We don't want you to come to battle with us. So God kept David from battling against his own people, the Israelites, at that point in time. And so David and his men started to go back to Ziglag. And when they got there, now that's where their families were. David and his men, that's where their wives were. That's where their children were. That's where their homes were. And so David, you know, you look at David's life. He was on the run from from Saul. His own people didn't want him. They wanted to kill him. He goes to the Philistines, and now they reject him. So he was like in a downward spiral kind of, you know, his own people didn't want him. Now his enemies didn't even want him to fight with them. So David was like, okay, what, what can, what, what is this here? I'm, I'm running my, I can't go to Israel. I can't fight with the Philistines. So now he's going back to the only thing he has left, his home in Ziglag with his family and friends there. And they go to Ziglag. And what happened? The Amalekites were there. And they had, they had burnt Ziglag and the neighboring towns. And when David got there, when he got to the town, they looked and it was burnt down. It was no longer there. There was no, no bodies were there. There were no women, no children, nothing. Just burnt rubble was there. How would you feel if you got, if you went home and you saw, where was my wife? Where are my kids? Where's my home? Where's my dog? You know, where's, where, how would you feel? You would feel a little discouraged. Now, if you were the leader of people who lived there who were following you, they're going to look at you now and say, our family's missing too. Our sons and daughters are missing too. David, you're the one who took us out of here. We should have been here to protect our families. And so what happens here it's in chapter number 30? It says, then it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, on the third day, that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziglag and had overthrown Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the woman and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. Now, I want you to see something here. David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. Is that correct? David was a man after God's own heart. Even though he was in the Philistine camp and the Philistines were at war with Israel, God's people, God kept David from warring and killing his own people. And he sends him back to Ziglag. He goes back to Ziglag and now he, and he finds that the city's been burnt, but it says, you know, when, in, when you look through the word of God, whenever an enemy attacks a city, they kill. Woman, children, they slaughtered everybody. Usually they didn't leave anything. Or if they took anyone captive, it was for slave labor or, or whatever. But usually they killed everyone. So you have to understand, when David walked in and, and him and his men, and they saw Ziglag burned to the ground, automatically, there was no second thought, our wives are dead, our children are dead, we've lost everything. And so, but what did God do? God kept, it says they took the woman and children 
what? Captive. God didn't allow the enemy to kill his, his their wives and their children. You see, God is a protective God. God watches over the lives of those whose heart are, is following after God. David was a man after God's own heart. If your heart is after God, God will watch over you and your household and your families. God is is a God who cares. He sees the big picture, and he has ways of working things out. David was in a, a bad time of his life. This wasn't a, a good time of David's life. This was in a time when David was struggling and going through things, and every one of you here go through things in life, don't you? Everyone. We find ourselves through things, but we need to find ways that even in the worst possible scenario that we can stand and trust God and find a way to encourage ourselves in our faith, to hold fast with God. We might have lost our job and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to go and put bread on the table to feed my family? And yet we need to trust God even in that situation, that God is concerned about my family and he will make a way for bread to come on our table. He will find a way to open a door for me to get a job not only with that will pay well, but will provide benefits for my household. You know, we were uh, moving yesterday, well, and Friday, and uh, yesterday, uh, there's a lot of different stories I could tell, but yesterday we loaded the truck up, that man, Tony, and myself, and, and we were, we had one more thing to load in, and we were, he was backing in, and he sunk in the, he sunk the back wheels down. And we were like just ready to take off in about 10 minutes to come up here. And we tried everything and it just got deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and we said, man, what is going on here? You know, and we tried, we had a man come with a big truck and he tried to pull us out. He couldn't get it. We had an, a tow truck come and he couldn't get it. He said, no, we got to get a bigger truck. And so we're waiting there. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're saying, you know, we're saying to ourselves, man, you know, and we said, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. God has got some good reason here, and we're gonna we're gonna trust God that all things work together for the good. So we're waiting there. What good can can come out of a truck being stuck in mud, a moving truck, and having you know people over there maybe waiting for you? And and so you know we couldn't we were helpless to do anything. So we're over there, and so we try to encourage each other. You know, let's look at the positive side of this here. And so the the big truck comes. And uh, so we 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 weren't in a good situation, and we could have just like uh, blah 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 blah. But we we tried to find a way to encourage each other, say good is going to come out of this somehow. So the tow truck guy comes, and he gets out, and and he and he was a man that I had met before, and uh, Tony friend who probably thank God for him, he did a lot of work. He was he's a welder, and he was looking. He's been looking for some kind of you know good opening job opening. So this man comes and and. They, they get to talking and they get on the subject of welding and the guy says, oh, he says, I need a good welder. He says, I, I, just, I got all the equipment. He said, I'm looking for a good welder. So Tony said, I can do that. He said, you know, so they made a connect. There was a connection there. What good can come out of a truck stuck in mud? But here's a guy comes along and says, hey, I need a good welder. I'm a good welder. So there's a connection was made. A provision was met. A need was met out of that even out of our movie you see what god how he can bring connect people 
even in the worst, what you think is the worst of situations. What good can uh, come out of a truck stuck in mud? But here's a guy who needs who needs provision, who needs a job, needs work, and here's a man who comes and says, "Come on, work, work, come and work for me. I have I have a good thing." So even in the word, what you think is a bad situation, trust God, believe God in your heart and in your mind that God will work this out for good somehow. And he did, even in that situation. And so here in verse number three, and when David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. That alone, again, is a miracle of God that he kept their women and children alive, that none of them were slain or killed. And verse 4, then David and the people, but David didn't know that. So we, we read it in the word of God. And we, we can't assume that David and his men didn't know at that point that the women and children were taken captive. They thought they were slain dead. And so verse number 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now, these are men. And I'm telling you, women, men have emotions. Men have feelings. And and there's, you know, when if we were to go home and find our, our wives and our children no longer there, our house no longer, we would weep. I know men have, have tears. Men have compassion in them. And here, these are warriors. These are men who are warriors coming back from battle and they seen that everything their wives and children were gone their homes were gone and they wept they cried and until they couldn't weep no more until just imagine how the emotions were flowing in these men they couldn't they wept until they couldn't weep no more i pray that none of us get into that place where we weep until we can't weep no more but these men were at that point along with david and it says, now David's two wives have been taken captive and whatever. And moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. Now, here's David. Here's David leading, because you have to understand, these men are, are following David. And David takes them off to battle. And now they come back and their families are gone. And so what do they do now? They, they, they see, and sometimes we try when something isn't going right in our life or something goes wrong or we find ourselves in a bad place, who do we try to look as humans? We try to look at who can we blame for this? And we shouldn't be looking for who's to blame. We should be looking for who's the solution, who's the answer, who's the hope of this situation, and that is God. And But as people, our tendency is to find someone to point a finger at and say, this happened because of uh, you. You know, and we try to find someone to point the finger at and blame because then that takes a focus off of the thing and it puts it on that. And so they looked at David and said, David, you are the reason these are, our women and children are gone and our homes are burned. Now, what did David have to do with that, really? Did David go towards that? Did David take their... But they looked at David, and they pointed the finger at him, and they wanted to stone him. This is the man they were willing to die for. This is the man they were going into battle with, and they were willing to die for him. But something happened. The situation came up. A circumstance came up. And now these men who wanted to go to battle and die for him wanted to kill him, wanted to stone him. Did David have it? Was it justified for David to, to, to be stoned? No. Right? And so... And it says, uh, verse 6, 
for all the, they wanted to stone him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But David, you know, put yourself in David's shoes. Saul is after you. The Israelites, you know, they want to kill you. Now you're with the Philistines. They don't want you to fight for them. So you go home with the men that are following you, and now you're, you find your wives and children of God, and now they want to stone him. David could have just said, what's the use, you know, and just give up. And we should never want to give up in our walk with the Lord. No matter what we see, the frustrations that we see, we should never get to that point of saying, what's the use of walking with the Lord? You know, David, you, you see it, you understand what David was, and life brings us to places, not as severe, hopefully, not as severe as David's situation, but life brings us to places and situations and circumstances where frustration or or it seems like, what in the world is going on here? My heart is after God and everything, situation after situation after circumstance, it seems like everything is going downhill. And he could have very easily gave up his faith and his trust in the Lord, and the men wanted to kill him now. And David, it says, what did David do? What's the next verse? It says, but David, in verse number six, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The word there, I love to say this, the word there is hazak. It means to encourage yourself in the Lord. He encourages himself in the worst of his situation. The worst day that he could imagine, David, they wept, they did weep. Now remember, David did weep. There's a time to mourn, right? You come home and your family's gone and your children and your wife, it's not a time to say, oh, praise you, Jesus, hallelujah. It's a time to weep. You know, and so you got to look at perspective. David wept before the Lord. He, he cried out. And then after that, he got up and he said, you know what? I'm still trusted in the Lord. I have to encourage myself in the Lord. And hope in God, my Savior, my God. And so David, it says, strengthen himself in the Lord in verse 6. And then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now, David went, he trusted in the Lord. And what did he do when he trusted in the Lord? He said, I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. So where did David go to encourage himself? What's the first thing he did when he said, I need to encourage myself in the Lord? When you need to encourage yourself in the Lord, what's the first thing you think of doing? Well, what David did was he, he said, oh, man, this, is, this situation is too much for me to bear, too much for me to handle. But yet I trust in you and I have to encourage myself. And so what David did is he asked for the ephod, which was a, a symbol of, of, of the prayer, of the presence of God. And so David, he wanted, he wanted answers from God. He wanted to put himself in the place where he can hear from heaven and where God would hear him. And he asked for the ephod, and he, he says, uh, verse number 8, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? And shall I overtake them? And he said to him, you see, David put himself in a place where he can ask wisdom and direction from God. David didn't just rise up and say, 
Come on, man. Let's go after the bandit that, that, that did this. He could have very easily did that. He was a warrior. And he had men who, who just seen the destruction of their home. He could have very easily and very quickly said, all right, guys, mount up. Let's go after these, these guys. But what did David do? Although they were angry, he got on his knees and he said, Lord, I need wisdom and direction. I need encouragement from you. Shall I? Now, what kind of question to me is what kind of question shall I go after these guys that got my wife and kids? Is, is that a question we would ask? I mean, I don't know. You know, I'd have to I, I got to, you know, process this because I go to a place and your wife and kids are gone and, and you and. So, you know, you you got a clue who it is. They're going in that direction. Do I ask? Hey, guys, should we go after them or what? You know, I mean, some men might do that, but I mean, come on. The question is, just mount up and let's go. Let's go get our wives and our and our and our children back. But David didn't do that. David, he they wept, they grieved, and David said, "Bring the ephod. I want to inquire. I want the Lord to speak to me and give me wisdom and direction and counsel." So in the worst of a situation and circumstances, he wanted God to lead and direct him according to the word of the Lord. And that's why, see, today we don't need the ephod. Today we don't have to go knocking on somebody's door and say, hey, you got the ephod? You know, we have the word of God. We have, this is, this is our wisdom and counsel and direction. And so when we're in tough situations of life or we don't know what to do and we need wisdom, we need to look to the word of God and, and, and the whole counsel of God and, and let it direct our lives. And so here, in this case, God says to him, go, and you will surely overtake them and you will rescue everybody. And so based on God's word, he rose up and they went. And sure enough, they got their wives and their children and all their household back. You know, the Bible tells us you are more than conquerors. And he says, you know, that we came to destroy the works of the enemy. And God wants your households, our households, to be saved. And so we have to look at ourselves as David, as the enemy, having... And this is part of reaching out in evangelism. When someone in our household does not, or our family does not know the Lord, it's like they're taken captive by the enemy. It's like Ziglag. Now, we might see them face to face, but in reality, the enemy has them captive. And so we need to inquire of the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom and give me direction. How can I rescue them from being captive by the enemy? You see, we, this is a natural where there was the, the, the enemy. But when we have to seek wisdom on how to rescue those around us, and so we need to do that through prayer and asking God for an opportunity to be able to get up and to share. We have to take that concept that David had here, that our loved ones have been taken captive by the enemy. Now, know the Bible says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God, as long as he preserves, see here he preserved those women and children from being killed. And God, as long as our some the person in our household has life, there's the chance and the uh, the opportunity to rescue them from the clutches and the snares of the devil. And the devil would try to ensnare, and he would try to get people to backslide or not to come from the Lord. And we cannot, if someone backslides from the Lord, we just cannot let them slip away. We need to try and reach after them to say, whoa, 
wait a minute, don't let the devil pull you back into, into that. He wants to kill you and destroy you. And so we need to understand that we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord and understand we are more than conquerors. I'm a warrior. David got to say, you know, I'm a warrior, but I need direction and counsel on how to set them free. And so he went to the Lord for it. And so you need to pray for those in your household and neighbors and co-workers who do not know the Lord and say, Lord, how? Show me. Give me some wisdom and insight on what 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 can I do? What can I say to, to hopefully get them and set them free? And so we have to always be looking out at those around us as saying that they're captive. They've been taken captive, and we want to rescue them and pull them back in. Go with me. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, this is a key also to encouraging yourself in the Lord. In Second Samuel, go with me to Second Samuel, chapter number 24, verse number 10. Now, David, he was a man after God's own heart, and uh, he, he, was, he, was, uh, he went, they rescued their families. But David, you know, David wasn't always on target in, in his walking with the Lord. You know, David did things that, that were sinful and wrong before the Lord, but David always wanted to make right. How many of you know the Bible says that that if we sin, that if we repent, he is quick to forgive us of all of our sins. We know that, right? And every one of us in this room will at some point in time sin against the Lord. Or even though we're saved and born again, we're going to wind up in a situation or doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And here, David, in verse number 24 Uh, Chapter uh, 24, verse number 10, it says, Now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. You see, acknowledging that we have done something that is sinful to the Lord, what happened next? But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have acted very foolishly. You see, there were times when David acted foolishly. David was a warrior, he was a mighty man of God, but there were times in his life when he he did things that he realized was foolish. Every one of us here have realized at some point in time, hey, we, we did something that I shouldn't be doing. This is foolishness. I, I, Lord, I, what I did, I sinned, and forgive me. And David acknowledged that. And we never need, we never should be uh, uh, hesitant or ashamed to acknowledge that we've done something we shouldn't have done. If we try and hide it or smooth it over or say that nah, nobody knows, nobody cares, whatever, God sees and God cares. The God is concerned, but David knew the key to encouraging himself. He knew he did wrong, but what did he do? He got back into repentance and said, Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me of my foolishness. And God forgave him. In Psalm 78, go with me to, to Psalm 78 and uh, verse number 70 and 72. It says, also, he also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds for the care of the ooze with suckling lambs he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and he guided them with his skillful hands. See, God chose David. God knew what David was going to do. He knew the, 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 the entrapments that David would fall in. He knew the, He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. He knows your life. He knows what you're going to fall into. But God is there to, when you say, Lord, I have sinned and I've done something foolish, he's there to pull you up and say, come on, move forward. 
onward and upward. That's the way the Lord is. No matter what we do and in our walk with the Lord, if we acknowledge it and are quick to confess, God takes us up out of that stuff and says, come on, I know that. Come on, let's go forward. Because sometimes we do things and we and we get discouraged and we get frustrated and we don't just we we, we don't want to go on with the Lord anymore. We get discouraged, but we got to find ways of encouraging ourselves, saying, "All right, I made a mistake. I did something foolish. Okay, Lord, forgive me and take me onward." And He brings us onward and upward. And not only for ourselves, He He chose David and He put David. And God is always concerned about His people. And David, he, he took David and put him in charge of his people. And God, when he saved your life, when he delivered you, he knows that there's people around your life that need him. And God wants you to be encouraged in your walk with him. And, and you need to encourage yourself up and realize that those around you have been taken captive. And remember David when he went, when he went out to the field with Goliath? Remember Goliath? The account, all Israel was fighting against them. And uh, everybody, the giant was out there mocking them, making fun of them. Oh, 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 who's going to come and fight against me? And all the Israelites were shaking. You know, they were all, you know, they didn't know what to do. You know, you go. No, you go. Come on, Mark, you go. No, you go. You go. And nobody wanted to go fight against the giant. I'm just using an example, uh, illustration. So nobody wanted to go fight against the giant. So here comes, see, they didn't encourage themselves in the Lord. They, they knew the Lord was there, and they were waiting for a lightning bolt to come down and hit the giant and say, Ah, see, our God, he reigns. And then, but David came and said, Well, what are you guys doing over here? You're afraid of that giant? This is what he said. He said, You're afraid of that giant? And then they're looking at David like, Where, uh, huh? You're, 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 you're so small here. And they tried to put the armor on David. Remember the story? And he tilted over. He couldn't even, you know, he couldn't even walk with the armor, let alone go fight with the armor. That would have, he would have killed, the armor would have killed him. It would have fell on him and crushed him. So he said, get out of here. And he took out the, the five smooth stones he had, and he goes out to the giant. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You just don't walk out and, and, and face a giant if you don't know inside here that who God is in your life, and you have trust and faith in him. So David encouraged himself, and he went to the, he said, why are you guys shaking? What is the matter with you? He's there's a God in heaven who is great and on your side. So David goes to the giant, and the giant says, Ha, look who they sent out to come and fight me. He says, you know, I'm going to feed you to the birds or whatever. He said, you know, and David said, no. He said, I come against you in the in the name of the Lord, he says. And, and he says, today I'm going to feed, I'm going to cut off your head. And, you know, and, and the guy's are like, yeah, right, you know, yeah, you little squirt, come over here. And David David knew who he was in the Lord. He encouraged himself because he knew he had a God. And so no matter what you face in life, you shouldn't cower to it or shake and say, oh, I can't overcome this. I can't get by this. I can't get over it. And God doesn't want you to go over it or around it. He wants you to go through it. He wants you to, to have faith and encourage yourself that no matter what you see before you that frightens you, God is God in you. He is God of heaven and earth, and he can make you overcome whatever it is that is frightening you to move forward in life or to, to take that next step in, in faith in God. And David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord of Israel. And he took that smooth stone and there he goes. The giant goes down. David goes and gets a sword and cuts off his head and puts an end to him. 
David encouraged himself, and then everybody was David's friend. At first, they were, they were all saying, you know, who are you? You know, and they, they're mocking and making fun of him, right? Anybody ever mock you, make fun of you, say, you can't do this? What are you, crazy? You know? But David says, well, in the natural, it might seem that I'm crazy, but I have faith and trust in God. Anybody ever say to you, ah, oh, you're going to step out in faith? Are you kidding? Are you crazy? You know, that's, that's for fanatics and whatever. But you need to step out in faith no matter what they say because that's a hindrance. The ones that tell you not to step out in faith are, are taking away your blessing and your future from you. But when you say with love, look, I trust the Lord. I'm going to step out in faith and walk with my God because I know him. Inwardly, I encourage myself in the Lord and the word. And he stepped forward with God. And what happened? Then everybody wanted to be David's friend. Oh, David slew the giant, man. You know, yeah, David, you've been my pal for a long time. I knew you could do it. Right. You know, <laughs> you know. so David goes there and, and he slays the giant. And in uh, John chapter 3, verse number 7, that's where the Bible says that we must be born again. And we have something greater than David ever had. David David encouraged himself with the Lord. He slew giants. He wasn't afraid to step out and go where others were afraid to go. And now we have the, the opportunity to go beyond what David was in. David, uh, if, if David was alive today and he had a born-again experience, you know, he would have been different. But we're even greater than David. Anyone in the Old Testament, as great as they were, with the Spirit of God in you, you're in another dimension. You're in another realm. And so the Spirit of God comes in your life. And in Acts, go with me to Acts chapter 2. I want to look at a few more scriptures here. The uh, book of Acts, the actions of the apostles, or the actions of the Holy Spirit through the the apostles. Correct, honey? The actions of the Holy Spirit. You know, my, my wife teached that when we were in Elizabeth, she teached a powerful, powerful series uh, through the book of Acts and the power of the Holy Spirit. I wish to God I could have taped that. It was it was awesome and powerful. And uh, in Acts chapter number 2, verses 3 and 4, and uh, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. You see, again, the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. When we come together as a body of Christ, we're putting ourselves in a place, in a position for God to do something wonderful, to pour out into our midst and into our life something wonderful. These these were all gathered together in one place, in one accord. That's not a car, in one accord, in one spirit. And they were together, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all, and they were all, what's the next word? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But the, the key here is they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You know when you fill up your gas tank? You know when you fill up your glass? It's full. And God said he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 4, and here it was, you see, it was God's desire to pour out from heaven into earthen vessels the Holy Spirit. 
to the fullness, not just a measure or a portion. And we have to come to a comprehension. See, David couldn't look. He looked inward to his heart, and we need to look inward to our heart. But God gave us a new heart. Remember, we've been saying God gives us a new heart. And don't forget the second part or the main part. God has given us a new heart, which is good, right? Say good. God, good. God has given you a good heart. You all, if you don't realize you have a good heart, turn to the word of God and read it as we read. You have a good heart because it's a new heart given you by God. And if we say my heart is no good, I'm saying what God gave me is no good. And so we can never say we have a, a bad heart. Our heart is good, but God gives us a new heart and a new spirit. And here is the fulfillment of that new heart and new spirit that God gives us. And here it says they were all filled, poured out to them was the new spirit, the Holy Spirit, which isn't new. The Holy Spirit was around from the beginning, right? From God in the beginning was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what was new was to us is a new spirit. We had an old spirit like we had an old heart. And God gives us a new heart and a new spirit within us who is the Holy Spirit. And here now we're new creations in God. And now our whole life has become radical for the Lord now. Now we have different abilities and capabilities. And, and there, there's something, a process going on inside of us that we can't even comprehend. And we need the word of God to come to the realization of what has God begun inside of me. He's given me a new heart and a new spirit. I'm a new creation, the Bible says, in Christ. And we've got to come to that comprehension. We're not in church to play games. This isn't a meeting or a clubhouse. We are new creations with new hearts and a new spirit. Where David could only go and look for the ephod and, and try to encourage himself in the worst of situations, we can now look to the word of God, the whole counsel of God, and the spirit of God in us to rise up in every situation. And in Acts chapter 4, if you go over to the Acts chapter 4 and verse 8, and then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, he began to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens when you speak in the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you? The Bible says that from your belly shall flow rivers of living water. When you speak, you see, you don't have to go now and ask God, should I go and pursue the enemy? Should I go? The Bible makes clear, yes, now you are more than conquerors. Now you have the Holy Spirit in you. And when you open your mouth with the power and ability of the Holy Spirit in you, now what comes out, God says, my word, you're speaking the word of God, my word shall not return void unto you. And so here what happened was they Peter got boldness and courage and he had direction from the holy spirit into him and he began to speak and what happened people began to get saved captives began to become set free and so when you speak in the power of the holy spirit within you in the word of god your words are no longer your words these are god's words coming forth and it sets the captives free it's a it's a deliverance and in Acts chapter 4, verse number 31, in the same chapter, verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with 
the Holy Spirit. Again, prayer has not changed. David went to pray. We need to pray. And what comes out of us? The Holy Spirit flows out of us. The Word of God flows out of us. And people around us get changed and transformed. And in Ephesians, go with me, and we're going to end with this. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 18. And do not get drunk with wine. Why do people get drunk? Why do people go drink? I used to drink, and you'll hear that in my testimony. I got drunk many a times. Am I proud of it? No. I'm not proud of it. But why? Why do people go and drink? Because there's things that they don't. we don't know how to deal with or face or approach, and we think from our friends, this is the thing to do. This is a man thing to do, or this is how you enjoy and party. And, and, and you get to the point, you know, and like I say, when I give you my testimony, I'll, I'll tell you some, some stories. But, you know, there, there's no joy in that. There's no joy in getting drunk in wine, and it, it just it, it brings you down. It makes it brings you it puts your head in the mud when you do that stuff. But the Bible says, "Don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation." But be filled, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you need encouragement, when you need help in your life, don't open a bottle and that doesn't do it. That only makes things worse. But the Bible says, instead, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen? Your life is going to be changed and transformed. And the Holy Spirit that was in you will help to encourage you to move onward with the Lord. The devil wants you to move backward, to back up from following the Lord. The devil will say, take a drink, take another drink, take another drink. And what you're doing, or take drugs. Or stop going to church, and he's got you backing up, going in reverse, farther and farther away from the Lord, until he gets you up to a place where he can he he can he can just crush your life. But we've got to say no. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to encourage myself with the help of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to move forward in in the things of God. And as you move forward, what's going to happen? You're going to be more that you are more than a conqueror. You're going to be setting captives free. You're going to be building yourself up in your most holy faith. You're going to be hazaking yourself. You're going to be strengthening yourself in the Lord as you ask and seek to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. Is your life filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Should we ask for it? Yes. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. It's a thing that we need to ask. Are we filled with the Word of God? Do we abide in the Word of God? The Bible says yes. But do we need to read the Word of God every day? Yes, we do. We can't read it once and say, I'm filled. I abide in the Word of God. The Word of God abides in me. I don't need the Bible for the rest of my life. Is that is that going to help you? Is that going to bring you victory in your life? No. What brings you victory is life is every day, no matter what the cir- circumstance, no matter what the situation, that each day you say, this is my staple. This is how I'm going to encourage myself to walk in faith and victory with the Lord. I'm going to open the Word of God and get my daily bread every day. And not only do I need my daily bread every day, but I need the infilling the fullness of the Holy Spirit every day. We can't just take the Word of God and, and run with it. We need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we will be more we are 
and we will then experience that we are more than conquerors in our life. Hazak yourself. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. God wants to build you up. The devil wants to tear you down. God wants to build you up. The devil wants you to go backwards. God wants you to go forward. The devil wants to think you can do it on your own and you'll wind up failing. God wants you to trust in him and let him open doors of opportunity for you. You think you're in a good place now? God has a better place for you. You think everything is well now? God has a better place. You think you're in a bad place now? God has a better place for you. You've got to encourage yourself. No matter what you see in front of you in life that may frighten you or make you doubt or question, you've got to say, I will encourage myself in the Lord. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. I will be filled with his word, filled with his spirit. I have a new heart and new spirit, and I'm going to go on, and I am more than a conqueror. I am a warrior. And what the devil stole from me, took out of my life, I'm going to go and get not only that, but everything that belongs to me, because that's what God says. What the enemy robs from you, God will give back plus. You know, remember Job? Just ended with this. Remember Job? Job, everything was taken from Job. And his wife says, Job, come on, curse God and die. Give it up. And what did Job say? I am going to follow the mouth, I'm saying, he to that mouth that opened, that spirit that spoke through her, that says, curse God and die. Job said, no, I will not curse God. And he drew it all. He trusted God. And what happened? It says in the end, he came out with more than he had. And who was it that killed and destroyed his house? Was it God? No, it was the enemy. And so God is the God who wants to restore to your life. He wants to add to your life, give back to your life, and bring you on a good journey, a prosperous journey in this life. But we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. How do we do that? By reading the word of God, by praying that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, by coming to church and getting together in, 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 as a body to get together in the home Bible studies and what the house groups, the life groups that we have. These are places that we encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need that. God's word makes clear we need to be in good fellowship. We need friends that are going to come alongside of us when things are tough. Every one of us will have tough times. And when we have true friends that are going to say, I'll pray through this with you. I'll be there to help you through this. Those are true friends that we count as dear that help us along in our life. Amen.